The debate was if we liked it. I thought it was silly. Is it trash or not? I don't know what the rest is of your house looks like as to where it's going to go. It's right? animal themed. Look. Yeah. Listen, it doesn't go anywhere. It doesn't look good anywhere. Oh, sure. <laughs> I don't want to adjust In the trash. Yeah. Exactly. It sounds like it's been decided already. No, it's going somewhere. I just don't know where. Well, you get to play the, like, fiance card. You're like... It doesn't yeah. work. <laughs> Spoiler alert. I agree. It doesn't work. You. <laughs> you owe me. <laughs> Welcome to the Write Around Podcast, a chance to step away from our own notebooks and into another's. My name is Steven, and I'm joined by my two co-hosts, Kate and Julie. Kate, what are we talking about today? Steve, today we're talking about world building. Just going to introduce a few of the worlds that we've made in our own creative processes throughout the years, go into them and kind of the creation of them, our thought processes, and just kind of what are the steps we take when we make the world our stories take part in. Julie? So, all right. The first thing we're going to talk about today is we're each going to describe or introduce the world that we're going to reference through the rest of the episode. So we'll start with Cade. Tell us about your world. Oh, man. All right. I'm starting. Okay. So the world that I created, and I think I'm going to have a really hard time not talking about D&D during this, just because, like, those are the worlds I created the most with. So... The biggest world I've made is it's a continent that I called Zeklos. It's part of a larger world where there's two other continents. But none of the stories that I've told have like, taken part there. So Zeklos is a continent that's made up of like two different countries. You have like a northern and a southern country. And basically you just kind of picture it as, say, Lord of the Rings type, like, magical universe. Um, you have, like, I, I call them like magical races existing. So you have like orcs, elves halflings along with humans and this was the first thing like this was kind of the inspiration that brought me to writing in the first place so i made a small little it wasn't even D, but it was like the same kind of role-playing atmosphere that i did in school prior to doing any creative writing <clears throat> and after experimenting with that a little bit like playing around and just like enjoying the world that was being made I was like, I feel like this could actually be a story. Like, the players that you guys are playing, like, seem to have some interest. And in that time, I made the characters for them. So it's kind of like, here's four characters. You can pick one and you can play as that character. And then they really gave them the personality. But prior to doing any writing, really, like, I did this. I, I played in this world that I made and then brought it into a story that I could tell. So I guess Zeklos is the name of the world I'm... I'm in, and yeah, just full fantasy is the idea of it. I think, uh, any takers, any volunteers for part two, second world? Well, Steve go. Now Steve will go. Yeah, so the story I'm going to be exploring is going to be uh, Gift Reclaimed. It's a creation myth that I conceived a little while ago uh, that turns into a short story myth about, like, a tragic character who is afraid of their mortality. It's more focused on, like, broader general aspects of, like, creations, the laws of creations and the forces that push the universe. And later on, concepts like life and death are kind of thrown in incidentally and the consequences of introducing sentience into a universe that's now really focused on it. Uh, Julie, how about you? What do you got? Yeah, so I 
talked about the world that I'm going to be talking about today in the last episode, so I'm just going to briefly recap. I don't want to repeat myself too much. So it's the factions world that we talked about last time. Um, the name of the country is called Elaria, and it's kind of broken up into four factions. Um, there's Belarius, is the north part. Trifir is the east, Caledon is the south, and Melio is in the west, and they all kind of have their own climates and differences between them, like, geographically as well. And so that's the setting. It's um, kind of like a dystopian, kind of broken world type aspect to it. And, you know, the main character is working for the faction, so we kind of see a lot into one specific faction, as well as she later explores the whole world. So that's the basis of the setting for this story. So the second thing we can get into now that we've introduced a little bit is, let me look at my notes. Okay, so how developed are you making your world? So we'll start with Steve on that one. Yeah, so my world, I've kept it intentionally very broad. The concepts I'm introducing into the story are intentionally supposed to be more all-encompassing, so there's not a lot of exploration of the characters are allowed to do in terms of like how the world was created because it's happened in such a long, long, such a long time ago, removed from anything like that you and I would recognize. Um, since it's more of like universal forces and how they've come forth, what rules kind of govern them, um, and just basically like the basis of like a universe that could later on be explored. So in terms of the world, it's very broad strokes. Um, yeah, so that's uh, how I handle detail in this world. I think one thought that I've had just knowing about the writing that you said, and even before you got into creative writing, I remember we had a conversation, you were talking about, you wanted to make kind of like a, like a compendium of short stories of like creation myths. Yes. Yeah. I don't know if you've actually like talked about that on the podcast at all. I guess, I don't know if I have yet, but uh, it, yeah, that is correct. A lot of my stories are very much broad strokes. I think the idea I've had, I think is very interesting. I want to explore this more is creating, like, kind of the mythoses of worlds and then later on having characters explore them in different stories that aren't the initial outset. Like, I, uh, Cade, Julie, you have actually played in my D&D campaign. This kind of, like, segues into what Cade's talking about with his uh, world. I've done something very similar where I made this whole idea of, like, this creation mythos, like the rules that kind of govern the way the universe is ordered and structured, and then l way down, far removed from the events of the story, I create another story where... The characters are like humans. They're like humanoids on Earth or whatever, having to deal with the consequences of like a universe that was created well before they were even at consideration on the plane. So I like the idea of just setting up like this is like an immutable force that exists well before your time, your your ancestors' time. It sets like the boundaries of what you can do. Now you have to kind of operate in this world. So the short story is like creating the boundaries for possible stories that take place in the future or don't just kind of like worlds that can be explored mentally yeah so uh, a fun way to excuse me to do that kind of creation as steve was doing there so he made like an incredible story like i mean his creation mythos is they were just really interesting but a frustration of bringing it into <laughs> the new world is now the people who are exploring it are people who are not on the same wavelength as you so we're trying to <laughs> tell a story about steve's world and we end up, like, butchering it time and time again. <laughs> yeah. But no, it was, that's the way to play D&D. &D. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It went as well as I thought it would because the you guys would come up against things like, can we do this, can we do that? I'm like, 
know, like, uh, the rules are very hard to set. Like, um, they're not, like, it's not like, if we're talking about, like, magic systems where there's, like, hard magic system and soft magic system, it doesn't really kind of follow that set. It's more of, like, how in the real world, you can't jump more than a certain height because gravity is restricting you. It's, that aspect comes into, like, all facets of life, but it's, um, instead of being, like, just natural forces, there's deities that exist on a different plane that intentionally set it up and whatnot. So it's kind of like, how do you go up against forces that are immovable and completely removed from your world, you know, as it is? Yeah, I think that's, it's definitely was, was an interesting concept to play around with. And I wonder, like, looking at that concept, I think, because especially right now I've been doing so much work, and that's what I've been working on actively is writing a D&D campaign. And I kind of think of, like, the writing process that you do, so not even playing it, but actually just kind of creating that story, is a creative writing process, like, in its own right. I agree completely, yeah. So, I think it's kind of a cool idea to, like, do what you did, where you said, like, this is not an unlimited bounds world. Like, you are still, like, bound to the rules of reality. Like, I wonder, do you think you have any interest now that you've created that and then, like, been able to play around with it a little bit? Do you think you'd ever try to write a story, not necessarily from the point of view of other characters that we played, but, like, other humans in that world? I very much do, um... So a little insight into the campaign, the campaign that they played in, they were on this like very long quest to the final was called like the Blasphemer. And it turned out the Blasphemer was like this character who long ago, way before like the arrival of humanity on a different distant planet that's long since been extinct, kind of like like uh, shouted out like some obscenities towards the deities that created the universe and as a punishment lost their ability to die. So in the campaign, they were seeking out this individual so they could somehow reenact it so they could uh, gain immortality. I like the concept of that. Like, the short story that uh, in A Gift Through Claim focuses on, first, the creation of the universe, second, the creation of, like, sentience and life, and then, uh, well, afterwards, the creation of death. Um, and in this exploration, death is actually shown as, like, a force of good, because without death, there's just continual decay. In the short story, what happens is... Eventually, a tragic character arrives who has long since forgotten why death is a constant part of the universe, and so they fear it. And this, uh, they commit the blasphemy, the gods or the deities reclaim the gift of death, which is separate from life. And so later on, millennia later, the characters from your campaign, they encounter this blasphemer. I would like to do a story that's kind of similar, but maybe set in a different setting. I don't know if fantasy is the best setting. Um, I haven't really determined what would be the best setting for that, but that would be like the background like universe that this story in the future would take place in is with the rules set within like this short story that I'm discussing currently. Yeah. yeah that sounds really exciting. I like yeah, that. Yeah, I, I, I'm excited to see what that ever shows up <laughs> as well. Yeah. So it sounds like you're developing more of like the history and the background and then kind of like start, you know, then having your story start after the like development yeah, part think, and then it's yeah, kind exactly. of moving forward. Okay. It's, the lore that you read about in like a book while you're passing by in a game, it's that right. fleshed out more, but not too fleshed out because I do like the more ambiguous nature of it. I think okay. the more detail you provide, the more you can see opportunities to like pick at it or comprehend it in a more human way. And I want it to very much be removed from something that's within the grasp of like a normal person. It's like universal, universal forces that don't even consider people at all. You know what I mean? Yeah, there's more, you know, opportunities that way if you're not so... Exactly, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay, awesome. Do you want to go, Cade? Yeah, I think... um, 
just talking about on like how developed you make the world, right? Mm -hmm. Yes. Mm -hmm. So I think for me, when I'm thinking about it, it's important to decide what is going to be important in your story. So in my story of of the game, which is the one that takes place on this world I described as the continent of Zeklos, um, magic is probably like the thing that's of most important in the world to kind of understand how that works, to understand why like the other plots and pieces of the story are important at all. So like it doesn't I mean it's all it doesn't matter too much, but the idea is basically magic is tied to the the land itself. So if you destroy pieces of the land that are like, you know, rich in this like magical power, magic will go away from the world. So in the story I have the two different countries. Um the northern country, which is called Calden, has had a lot of this magic removed from the land. So Wait, yours is called Calden and I have a Calden too. That's so funny. You really? Yeah, didn't yeah, Cal Calden is the name of the South faction. I wonder if you helped me name this I did. I did. <laughs> I it. did, it's fine. The bleeding. <laughs> that's so funny. Anyway. <laughs> that's so funny. Anyway, go ahead. <laughs> uh, yeah, like, in that country, like, it's pretty much just humans who are living there now because a lot of the magical races have been forced to leave because they can't survive there anymore. Um, so in the story, that's important because where the main story takes place is on, like, there's only, like, three places. I call them arcane wells. Which are basically like bodies of water that hold the, this magical power. And you're on the third one, which has been like basically like lost and forgotten that it even exists in the world. So that's where my story like takes place. And I do my best to try and establish that pretty early on. Um, and I don't really do it necessarily through like exposition of like the story of Colton, like how I'm talking about it now. Mm -hmm. Like I try and just do like through like pieces of dialogue or people talking. Um, getting kind of like clued into the idea of it. And then I think like at one point I do later on and go on and kind of like actually describe how the, the rules of the world work. But I try to at least set up early on that these rules are established and the characters in the world understand it. Mm -hmm. But I think for my story, the, the rules of the world are very important. And I don't think that's necessarily true for other stories that I've written. Like the world is kind of like meaningless to the, the remainder of the story going on. So definitely depends on the story you're telling. Right. So would you say, so you're saying that the, you have rules and then they're more discovering it as they go on. So you're not really like putting, laying out the whole world in the beginning. Right. I think the reader is discovering the rules as the story goes on. Okay. But I try to show that the characters in the world do understand them as they exist. Okay. Got it. But then so, what about like the actual places they're going like do they do you have like a yeah. wide variety of places or is it like one kind of area they stay to yeah and this one it's kind of split up into like the two halves of the book so the first half of the book is them kind of getting to i call it the estate and it's where mm -hmm. this is that place that's on that like that third you know removed forgotten well and everything like that but before that you do see a lot more of the world um and you see kind of just how the the systems kind of work and i think consistency is the biggest thing that I try to, like, aim for when I'm writing, is to just say, like, I don't want to write a chapter and have, like, established these rules and then kind of, like, forget about them later on, or vice versa. Because, you know, as you write, more ideas are going to come to you. So I found it very important to think about this and go back. Like, it's okay to make sure you're doing plenty of editing 
going yeah. back at the stories that you're writing and saying like, oh shit, I really like this idea that I came up with in chapter 10, but <laughs> as I'm reading, chapter 2 says the opposite. So Right, right. You gotta make sure yeah. you are sticking with the consistency of it, especially if you're going for something longer. Yeah, I think that happens to me too because I don't outline and it sounds like you don't really outline either. So it's hard no. to like... Can you just so when you're not like I don't know what's happening at the end of the story at the beginning of the story like I just write so yeah that's what that's what happens. I, I know I've said this in the past, but that blows my mind because all I do yeah. is basically outline and then I'm like, and the story will come later. <laughs> <laughs> I definitely, yeah. I try and get um, bullets though. Like, I like I remember when we were writing, we were doing we had that like Google Doc of yeah, just kind of a shared story. I had like titles of the chapters and then just kind of like. Maybe literally like five bullets of just like right, yep. know, general things I want to happen in here. <coughs> yeah, I think I it depends like on the chapter. Yeah. yeah. Like some chapters I'll be like, okay, you know, I want the next chapter, I need this to happen. But then sometimes I'll be like, well, I'm just trying to build up to that thing. So let me just, you know, make, like try and connect the two. So it depends on like what part of the story I think you're at. For that. Would you say that for your writing, Julie? Do you think the development that you put into your world building is kind of similar to mine? Yeah. So, yeah, I'll jump into mine. So I would say I try to develop my worlds out like pretty like a lot. Like I kind of make the worlds be a big part of what's happening to the character. So I do develop them a lot. Um, But I think mine are more like adventure based. So they are. Like, I know what all the parts are, but I think throughout the story, the main character will be visiting, like, different areas and then discovering it. So as the reader, you're also discovering all the different, like, parts of the world. Um, But I would say that my worlds probably have, like, less rules, as you guys were putting it. Like, I mean, there's not, like, this one in particular with the factions. There, You know, there's some basic stuff. Like, there's not magic in that world, like, that kind of thing. But I think once you're on board with like the setting, like I don't really make too many other rules. Like they don't use magic, it's, and they kind of do, like I try to change it as it goes along. So I think it's less restrictive. It's more like an, an adventure. Like she's doing what she has to do to get through whatever, you know, task she has. But yeah, I like to have a, a variety of settings too so one thing I, I talk about this later actually i don't want to get too much into this it'll take away from the other question but i like to have oh, a ver- variety oh, we should be worried about that you can go into it okay yeah i have like a variety of different settings in this story and other stories that i've written too so like i mentioned before there's like the four factions and they all um they kind of have different i don't know how to describe it so i'll just go through them so like Belarus is the one that Artrana is in so that one's in the north and they're um kind of like a mild weather has seasons kind of like the northeast of you know the united states would be a similar type of like weather and like type of setting and then we have like trifear which is more like mountainous and then you have calden which is more like desert it's a sandy desert and then we have melio which is like marshland it's very rainy so i like to have like a variety like that but you, you give me the idea calden i did i named that I named that's that really funny. You think that you were like, Colin's a good name. And I was like, yeah. Yeah, I think so. And then I think I forgot that I, we you used it in that story. And I kept it. And I was like, oh, but no, that's a good name. And I forgot that we used it in yours. I do that all the time, though. Like, I have the same names in this story and then, like, the series that I write. Some of the things are, like, 
name the same. Especially, mostly with just, like, countries, because I don't really care what the name of the country is. It doesn't really matter most of the time. Anyway. It's just the whole setting. Yeah. So, um, anyway, yeah. So, I like to have a variety so that there's different things that the character can do. It's just more interesting to me to have different areas that the character can go to that are completely separate from one another. Yeah. Go ahead. Right, I guess, yeah, one question I would have is in terms of, like, developing these different regions, what do you kind of present to the reader as, like, this is how I convey, like, that called in is very different from this other region ruled by a different fashion. Like, what do you kind of present when you're building the different areas? Since they'd be their own, like, small little worlds in a way, right? Like, how do you convey yeah. this is what's important here versus, like, in this region is ruthless? And, like, how do you go about doing that? Like, what elements do you kind of present for that? Yeah, so, like, for this story, um, there's kind of, I guess, two aspects of this. So, for most of Altrina's life, she's in Valaria. So, I detail, you know, obviously, the most detailed one is that faction because that's where she she knows the most about it and that's where she spends most of the time in the story. So, that one, she kind of more, like, descriptions. Like, I'll um, go into this later, but there's, like, a building, the headquarters building of Valarius. There's a, um, engra- it's engraved with basically the history of the factions and their world. So at one point, in order to describe the world and everything, I have her, she happens to be going to that building, and I just describe the building and what the engravings are on it. And then that just as, because she's seeing it, that then is explaining to the reader, like, the world, because that's how I kind of did that one. And then a lot of it for the other factions is... Um, it's like hearsay at first. She'll be like, oh, I've heard that this faction, you know, they say it's really tough or they say this or they, you know what I mean? So at first it's that, but then as she goes into um, like the rebellion and like kind of getting into breaking down the faction system and stuff, then she's like visiting these places because they're trying to recruit people from other factions. So then she's physically going on missions and things to the different factions so then we're getting her experience there so if the people there are tougher to fight or something we're hearing it from her experience in like struggling with the battle or something so it kind of there's like two parts to how i explain the different factions yeah i really like the idea of like introducing uh through hearsay basically because it colors not just the place that uh the reader is hearing about but also like the person who's telling it because for example like if all their stories of different lands are like filled with like Xenophobia or something like that. You can kind of get the idea of like where you're currently located as like an outsider might be a little bit more closed in or afraid of outsiders. Or if you right. go on and explore, perhaps the comparing and contrasting of like what's true versus what's not, it like highlights different like details on I think that's a very good way about going about that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it definitely ties into just your character development as well. Like with that. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I, thought, I really like how you do your own building. That's, um... <laughs> well, thank you. <laughs> yeah, that's really cool. I like the idea of, like, you're going to hear about this place later. Hear some rumors, you know, keep it in mind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's one element that I do. So it kind of keeps some mystery, too. Like, a lot of, like, one of the things that I say in the story, and that well, it's actually something that Altrana, like, thinks and comments about at one point, is that it's easy for her to get information because Belarius is very, like, gossipy or, like, word gets around. So, like, a lot of times she'll hear things and I'll put things in there like, oh, we heard that, like, the higher-ups are having an argument about, like, whatever. You know what I mean? Like, she'll hear, like, gossip and that kind of helps develop, like, 
her information. It also helps develop like the, not like kind of like mystery or almost like, is this true? Like you're kind of wondering throughout the story, like what's really going on? We don't know. So kind of creates like a fog of information or the viewer, yeah. the reader might not even know exactly what's going on in the outside world. Just as like a Tron doesn't cause it's right. all hearsay basically. Yeah. Yeah, like exactly. So like, I feel like now you've got me thinking about something in like my world. So let's, yeah. let's get price on this thought. Um, <clears throat> So in the story of the game, it's like I said, it's a very small part of an otherwise like super, like really developed world. At this point, because now I've played like two D and D campaigns in it, and I've like revisited and told multiple stories existing in this world. Um, I probably have like dozens of cities over the two different countries there, and other continents too that have some relevance into the impact of this. In the story of the game, being a bit more of a more like focused aspect of the world. Do you think it's weird to not, like, almost tell more about, like... Like, I have, like, a pantheon of gods that are, like, relevant, but I don't really talk about in the st- story at all. You dictate oh. the world itself. Yeah, I like the idea of, like... In our, like, I'm, in our world, you never really talk about things that are just kind of a, a given, unless mm-hmm. there's a specific reason. I do like the story uh, technique of, like, not even... If something's, like, not relevant at all for the story... Um, not really lingering on it too much. It could be like a passing comment, uh, but uh, it's kind of like unnatural for a character to be like, this reminds me of the people from Westland. And yeah. like, did you know that the people in Westland are known for their amazing strength? They can <laughs> entire mountains and then they yeah. continue on with their conversation. So like, the fact that stuff like that would happen and there might be like, oh, Westland. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, you don't want to <laughs> Did you know? <laughs> so no, I do like, I am always a big fan of like there's even if it's like something even like that's really pressing, but in the background, not relevant for the story, not really exploring it too much because I do like background remaining background. Um, yeah. You know, it feels like if you go into much expo- exploration or uh, exposition about something that's like not ultimately going to affect the story, it's kind of like you're filling in pages with, yeah, it helps flesh out the world, but it doesn't help flesh out the story. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, I just think if it would be confusing though, like the only time I really go into the background is with that mural that I was talking about. So I think if it adds to your story or if you think it would be important for the reader to know that, then you can like, I like to use like, like objects, like you, maybe they're reading a book, like maybe they decided, you know what I mean? I don't know what the situation is, but if they have a book or they're in a place and there's an, a carving or, you know what I mean? Like you could use an object. So you don't have to have the person be saying like, oh, this is, you know, this God something, or whatever. Yeah. Like you, if you think it's important. Yeah. Something I thought of is like, if you're talking about like different lands, it, like Julia mentioned like the book. It could be a character be like, oh, this is an interesting book on this land. Another character can interject. Like, you don't need to read about that. All you need to know is they smell like feet. Yeah. You know, like, they're a bunch of savages or whatever. And so, like, you get the idea of, like, what people feel about it without, like, lingering. Like, ooh. Right. That's a good idea. Yeah, Mm -hmm. definitely. hate them. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Yeah. But I think it just depends on what's relevant to your story. Exactly, yeah. Like, if it's not important, then you don't have to talk about it. Yeah, interesting. I like it. I like it. All right. So, are we done... I think everybody talked about that one, right? Developing? Where are we all talking yeah, about Yeah, like our level of detail and whatnot, yeah. All right, so our next question. <laughs> our next question is, so does this world make the story or is your story making the world? Yeah. So I forget who I did last time. Uh, I think I went first, so if Julie, you want to order reverse. Yeah, oh, that's Oh, uh, you want me to go first? Okay. Tell us about it. 
Okay. Does the world make your story? <laughs> so I think I would say that the world does make my story as opposed to my story making my world. So even though it's an adventure and there, she's discovering the world as she goes, which is driven by the story, I think in general, the whole reason why Altrana and everybody, all the other characters like are there and are the way that they are is the setting that they're in. So she, because she's in this faction and it's oppressive, it's terrible, and she's motivated to take the whole thing down, like, Basically, the story is because of the setting and the situation she's in. So to me, that's more of the world making the story. So... Can I ask you a question? Yeah. Um, do you think... So it sounds like for this story, I think 100% the world is making the story. Mm-hmm. Do you think typically with your writing, though, that's the case? I think so. I think that I kind of create a situation that makes the character either feel a certain way or like need to take certain actions or so I would say yeah in my series I would say something similarly she's in a situation that she was thrown into so she kind of has to now take it whatever action she's taking so yeah I think that's probably typical for me yeah, I would say I part of it would be like where the source of conflict that's kind of like driving the story comes from right it sounds like if it was like a more internal like conflict like they have a personal shortcoming they're trying to um best it the, the world might be like an influence but it wouldn't be the driving thing that needs to like drive for the story but like in your case the society of like these different warring factions is like the pressure that's like on everyone that's like driving them forward so right and i think that makes sense yeah mm-hmm. right so that's let me see yeah so like so just the being a product of your society is really kind of I think a lot of the theme of this one, every character, especially Altrana, but really every character, even like the higher ups that are like, you know, oppressing these people, they're also a product of the society. I think everybody kind of is just in this situation. This is how their culture is. This is what their society is. So even if they don't want to be, you know, taking advantage of these other people, maybe they have to because that's the only way they can survive. So I think the whole thing is very, they're all product of the society they're in. Um, Yeah, so that's... Let's move on to, I don't know, here you want to go, Cade? You can go. Yeah, sure. I mean, I think I kind of talked about this when I was just introducing my world. But I think for the story that I've talked about so far, I think I'll give it like 75%. The world has created the story. And then like as I was writing the story and developing it, I'd say like 25% was kind of like the story ended up creating the world in terms of like, oh, I like the direction of putting the story in this way but there's not an element in place yet to do that. Let me create that element. Sure. Um, but I think like in my like different writings that I've done, that's probably like half of them have some impact on the world creating the story. And the other half is just kind of the story creating the world, I guess would be, I don't even know if it necessarily creates the world. I just like, maybe the world isn't even that important. Like that horror book that I was writing about um, the buzz I don't think the world is all that impactful at all on that story. Yeah. Very self-contained story. With right. Yeah, yeah. Like the characters are the, the driving force of the story. Not many external pressures, yeah. That makes right. sense. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, but then I have, which is still just a pure concept at this point, I haven't started it, but the story of like the, the wish where everybody is born with a single wish that they can make during their lifetime. That, I think, like, I mean, the world is the entire story. Because, like, that's the world. It's the world is just 
place that exists with everybody having that one ability. So right. I guess I'm kind of inconsistent with how much the world is impactful, and I guess as I'm thinking about it, the story itself, like, the story you want to try and tell just on a, like, pure, like, I don't know, the raw form of it decides how impactful is the world going to be. Yeah. Okay. If um, so on my end, I think my stories kind of fall into two different categories. Stories where um, there's not really a story being told more of like a world being explored. Um, for example, this story that I'm telling specifically, A Gift Through Claim, is more just like, as we mentioned before, is kind of just like setting up like the background of like potential stories in the future. So it's more of like a mythos more than an actual uh, set uh, story. But there is later on, um, as I mentioned before, it kind of breaks up into two parts. The first part is like the creation of the universe and whatnot. And then it slowly transitions into like this very narrow, very small section of like this like tragic character who is brought into a world where they're not like now that everything's kind of been set, they're dealing with that. And so they are very much grappling with this very oppressive like structure around them. And they're like this insignificant like uh, creature that has to deal with like the world, which is very much like their whole entire conflict is the world is set up this way. I don't like that. Uh, what can I do about that? Other stories I've told in the past, I would say there's a there's a good mix. One story uh, that I've talked about in the past. Oh yeah, the, the sunken planet. That's what it's called. My apologies. <laughs> that one is very much, I believe, more the story kind of like developing the world because it's the story about a man who's like exploring why there's so many limitations about him. But it's ultimately a story about like someone with a curiosity that can't be sated uh, within a very restricted society. So it's him going about. And kind of like seeing where the edges of like the limitations around him are. So it's his journey. And like as he does, like parts of the world are revealed. But it's not like the world setting limitations on him. It's him going out and seeing like where the edges of like the world he lives in uh, are. Uh, other stories I have, like they have like uh, worlds are even less defined. There's one story I haven't really talked much about. But it's just two characters that are kind of in this survival situation. And it's more of like the story is like a conflict between them trying to work together while overcoming each other's, like, conflicting personalities. Meanwhile, there is this supernatural or, like, animalistic force that's, like, going to be converging on them within a set time limit. So the conflict that's coming upon them ultimately is... Well, I guess, like, the antagonistic force that's coming upon them ultimately is a byproduct of the world. The conflict is very much, like, these two personalities. One's, like, a older, stoic, uh, by-the-rules uh, person who was very upset with this person who's got a more lackadaisical... Um, outlook to a rather dire situation and so them kind of bouncing that out and so the world is kind of like the obstacles they're overcoming but the conflict is very much what's driving for the story of can they work together can they survive um, despite their differences I think something that's really interesting of how you write versus how Julie and I write is you have this like really developed world that is not the point of the story at all yeah. Right. But the point of the story is you have already established this world. It's now having, I mean, the reader and maybe the character figure out what are those rules. Yeah. For stories where the rules matter, I have some stories that are just like, um, I have like one story. I don't know if I've talked about it yet, but it's basically like a nature documentary of like this mythical like giant beetle. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I may have mentioned it yet. So there's not really like a story. There's more of like 
Earth was seeded a while ago by this giant beetle. So one day the beetle's going to hatch, the Earth's going to fall apart. But it's part of the life cycle. It happens to, like, countless planets. So not really, like, a conflict there. It's more of just, like, a matter-of-fact kind of thing. But also, like, you have this built world, and now you're writing about that concept. Like, yeah, exactly. World is, right. It happens to planets. Yeah, I, like, that could be the premise of a story in the future where, like, a scientist is doing, like, exo like like right. geothermic like like a uh, examination of the earth and find like this weird organism they're like mother of god we have 12 <laughs> years before it hatches or something like that <laughs> yeah. but uh yeah i like it i think it's really interesting yeah Thank you. okay the next question is what elements do you present and when and then what we can either do this as one big thing or we can separate it a little bit more but the other part of it is what elements do you think like needs to be in a world to make it make sense i can go into because i think i just basically talked about it but um in my stories the elements that are that need to be presented are like the limits that kind of like show the overall scope that's possibly explored by the characters um so in a get through claim the elements that are being presented is the fact that the universe is very much an ordered structure so time space matter going down the list and then much later on um life sentience all that is brought in but it shows like by the order of the story life is like very tertiary in terms of other things that are above it so things that deal with like the conflicts of like being alive and within like a working universe must adhere to the boundaries set by the like upper level rules and whatnot um other stories that have been explored like i just talked about and Last episode, we talked about uh, the shallow planet. No, the sunken planet. Shallow planet's a different one. In the sunken planet, I don't want to... Sp- actually, I don't want to spoil it. I'm going to hold that one off for a little oh. bit. But generally, like, what I do like to present <laughs> are... We'll have to read it. Yeah. <laughs> what I like to present are the elements that are going to be the ultimate like boundaries of what can be explored. So whether that be like rules or larger entities or things of that nature, basically. Those are the things that I like presenting. And I like presenting them early on because it kind of like shows like this is like the most important thing. These are like the boundaries and whatnot. So yeah, like no, like there's no like push or like some like preceding things. This is like, first you must understand this, proceed before you want to do afterwards. Okay. Yeah. What do you think must be in a story? Like what do you think every story should have? Either for you or just in general. Yeah. Can I try and like get an answer you guys and yeah. let me know what you think of that? Yeah. You know, I think you just have to decide what kind of story you want to be telling. I agree, yeah. Um, yeah. Because I think like we talked about this a little earlier, but we talked about like the rules of your mm-hmm. world. Yeah. yeah. And I don't think it even like I think that can be expanded more of like it's really just kind of like the rules of like your story. And that's just kind of the guiding path you want to take when you're writing a story. So yeah. sure. if it's something like the worlds that we brought in today, Julie, which is a very like fantasy based world, mm-hmm. I think there is gotta be like some like rule that guides the story. So for mine it's the way that like magic works in the world is this kind of like really baseline rule that you follow. For you, it's the rule of like the factions and that the right. factions are the way that the world has existed for, you know, however many years. Right. Um, but for like humans and the characters who the story is going to be about in order for them to actually function in this world they do have to like follow the rules even if they want to break those rules like they have to like your story has to remain core to those 
elements that you create. Yeah, no, yeah. I agree. Yeah, and I think for oh, go on. Well, one more idea. One more idea mm-hmm. uh, for other stories that are not like ours. So something like yours, Steve. I think a lot of yours are more character driven or maybe more plot driven, where it's either like the character exploring the world or it's just kind of a general story that you're telling that you have a character who's kind of like a almost like a bystander of like your unnamed main character who we joke yeah. our favorite character <laughs> yeah. who is exploring this world and exploring like this the story that you're telling in this world like it's yeah. important, irrelevant to what's happening down in the cellar Mm-hmm. Like yeah. That rule of the guideline of what you want that story to be. Yeah, I think going back, uh, what I think uh, most of my stories try to convey the element that I think is present in most of them is like a sense of scale, and I think it's like a slider that's very adjustable. Um, for example, in that story you were just mentioning, Kate, I very much the element I want to present is like the scale is like boundless, and that's actually like there is a bound and like w- the element that I'm trying to present is like what's beyond like the boundaries of like our universe and whatnot eventually mm-hmm. um, other stories like and I get to reclaim uh, the scale of like once again universal creation and then like where does like life fit within that so it's kind of like seeing like kind of like lining things up like is it an order of magnitude of like 10 like of 100 you know so like basically like where does everything fit and like where does our story fit within everything um the one I mentioned earlier about, like, the Wolves of Winter, the two individuals kind of fighting against, like, these animalistic forces that are against them, is a very, like, closed-off story. Like, there is a larger world, but it's not explored at all. The only thing that's within the story is there's two individuals. They're, like, in this, like, wood trying to perform, like, these series of tasks. And just immediately around them are just these forces that are slowly closing in. They're going to, like, beset them. And if they're not ready, they'll just get sh- uh, torn to shreds and die. Like, huh? Well, they're not actually wolves, so, like... Is that um, idea, though? Like, they're almost... You don't need to tell me what it is. Yeah, so, I, so, they're more, like... So, like, they're not really, like, seen, but they're more, like... Uh, how do I describe it? Just, like, they're... It's, well, so, like, the, um... The theory is, like, well, in the story, like, the characters don't have... The only time you ever see them is, like, if you fail your task, and so they, they are upon you, they kill you, basically. Um, oh, wow. So, so they, they'll... Eventually, they'll see, like, tracks or any... Occasionally, like... The one main character has, like, a very... He's dealt with them a long time, so he has, like, a good sense of smell. And, like, so they'll have, like, these, like, tracks that are, like, um, mismatched or lengths are inconsistent. Um, Annals will be, like, kind of just, like, like, splaying open, like, all, like, scattered about their, um, their innards. And, like, the... Whenever, like, the wolves are close, like, a a scent of, like, strong, like, rotted blood is, like, thick in the air. Like, the creatures themselves are never seen, but they're just called wolves because, like, whatever they are, they're apparently very strong apex predators, so... That's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's really cool. It's going to be our next D&D episode. Yeah. (laughs) 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 All right, so... That would be very cool. Wouldn't that be fun, guys? Yeah, because, like, the concept is, like, whenever we play D&D, like, we do run into the thing, like, some people want to be, like, lawful good. They're just like, oh, we're supposed to do this, let's do this. And then everyone else wants to be, like, a, like, a, eh, <laughs> Chaotic. I don't need the rules. Yeah, so it very much, like, fits, like, that, uh, that oh. word. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, like, the whole, I, I'll get into it later. Maybe I'll actually write that story next, because, like, I'm thinking about it now. I think it'll be a good you one. You should, yeah, that's a good story. I like yeah. that basis. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The other, um, 
thing as far as like for every story or that I think would is important is to kind of have like just like how your main character is relating to other characters so kind of like, like a class structure if there is or like some way that you're relating your characters to each other so I think like yeah. for me I use a lot of like class structures so there's like a ruler and then somebody below them and somebody below them but even like if not if you like you said with the the story Steve you were talking about where there's just the two characters where you're saying they're like even so even just like some way of relating two characters I think that's important in the story so that it like adds to the tone I think I agree because like, like the way people interact is kind of like it's conditioned in it, so like if people are right. interacting in a certain manner, like clearly, like it says something about the world. If every time someone sees each other, they immediately like, spit and like and right. kind of discuss, and it's a typical versus like a cordial like bow or whatnot. I yeah, I, I agree. That makes sense. Right. Um, so I don't know, Kate. Did you want to talk about any more specific elements in your story? Uh, or? I like I talked about them. That one little explanation there. We got a uh, anything off the papyrus. Um, Off the papyrus, we're not even there yet. <laughs> we're not. <laughs> no, there's oh, like yeah, another question. I didn't even mention. Oh, the What's the last question? The last uh, question is the like in, internal, much, right? internal world building, or something like that. Oh, I forgot. We about said, that does one. the in, oh, or, does your question? Yeah, it was, do, guys. <laughs> it was, does your internal world building influence your story, and how? I very much remember this one now. Yes. I came up with it, I think. <laughs> yeah, you did. Yeah. You did. <laughs> Who wants to go first on this one? I, yeah, not. I got no. So. <laughs> okay, you want to go first or? I can go first you if are. you want. Sometimes I have. So, like I said, there's a lot of variety in the settings. Uh, I know all the different settings. So, sometimes I'll, be, I'll think of a scene, like a cool fight scene or something. So, for example, um, there's like this one character in the. He's a side character. His name is Dzingo. And um, he's, like, a very, like, very into fighting. Like, he's like, I will fight you. Like, who's the strongest fighter? Let me fight you. Like, that's his whole thing. And so I had this one scene in my head where I was like, you know, I'm going to put him, you know, teaming up with Altrana. They're doing something. And they're, they get into a fight with this, these other people. And I had this whole scene in my mind. But then I was like, but I kind of want it to be, like, a fog element where you can't always see them or, like, a mist where it's kind of, like, that makes the battle even harder because people are half hidden. But in order to do that, I'm like, well, then they have to be in this setting. Like, they have to be in Melio because that's, like, the rainy-type marshy setting. So, like, in my mind, I'm like, okay, this is the scene I want, but it has to be in this setting, so I have to wait for them to be in that, you know, when they go to Melio the next time, I can put it in there. So, yeah, I think I kind of, like, will think of something and then internally think, visualize it, and that kind of determines where the scene's actually going. <laughs> so I do that a lot. I like that, yeah. do like that. Yeah. Um, so that's one internal world building. What else did I put? Oh, and the same thing. I also have character. I think a lot of character development I have in my head, too, like internal. So sometimes I have characters, like, maybe take an action based on their character development that I never said. You know what I mean? So, like... This character, the same character, Jazingo, he, um, at one point, he, like, is on a mission with Hatrana, and they're, like, rescuing somebody, and he, like, ditches out at one point, because he's like, the enemy's not here, I'm gonna go find them, and, like, leaves the entire team, and Hatrana's <laughs> like, what in the heck is going on? <laughs> and, like, to me, like, he has a backstory, and so... 
it makes sense for him to do that. But like Octavian doesn't know that. So like later it gets like he explains to her whatever his action it like gets revealed. But sometimes I'll have characters do things that maybe doesn't make sense initially because of their backstory. I like it. So yeah, those are some of the internal things. Yeah. One thing that popped in my head is like they're getting like they're handing out Cuban sandwiches and he's just like (laughs) no and it's revealed like. When he was younger, his father hit him. With <laughs> right. <laughs> I mean, I don't think that's in it, but I, I don't. I know that's not exactly what you're going for. But I'm like, <laughs> I yeah. don't like, yeah, in my head. <laughs> um, yeah. So, what do you guys? Who's got an internal? Actually, yeah. Kate, do you want to go and give me a little time to think about how? Oh, yeah. Doing yeah. Yeah. I, I think, I think definitely, I have some like internal world building go on, just because. At this point, I think the world that I'm trying to write the story in has become so developed. So there's definitely things that I know, like I know exist in the world that I also know don't really like need to be in the story at all. Um, so like I think like I'll talk about like the pantheon of my world, like the gods that I've created are definitely like very important. Everyone like knows about them, and it like it does like you know kind of dictate daily life in the world as a whole, but for the point of the story, that's, like, not the story I'm telling at all. So, like, I don't bring them up at all in the story. But, like, maybe, like, small things, just, like, passive dialogue or something like that that just kind of get included could kind of happen throughout. But I think it just helps write and kind of keep me interested in writing if I'm able to have a more developed world. In my head, it kind of keeps me moving forward with the story that I'm trying to tell. Right. Yeah, because then there's more you can do with it. Like, if you already have a whole bunch of other things that are in your world that you haven't talked about yet, I think it's easier to be coming up with new things when you already have, you know, yeah, some stuff you could fall back on. So, yeah, I agree yeah. with that. Yeah. What do you think, Steve? Yeah, so um, basically I have, like, two types of internal world building that I like to uh, think about. There's internal world building that, as I develop it, I'm like, I should include that in the story. It could, like, slot very cleanly into the story. Um, and then I have world building that's, like, so far removed from the events that are taking place. But um, would, like, be, like, just kind of, like, how the world would develop outside of it that it never get mentioned. But in my mind, this like, it's canon. But I like to not, I don't want to present it because I want other viewers to, like, kind of create their own internal headcanon. Um, so, like, we may have, like, different views of how the rest of the world may look. Um, and I think like that, I like that a lot because it allows more like room for creativity, and imagination for like internal world building that does eventually make it in, in like the current story, uh, get through claim. The idea was originally going to be like that the character who eventually like proclaims up to the deity is like, why do we have to die? And why not? Like has like this moment of like screwing like obscenities and blasphemies. And at first it was just going to be like, they had an obsession with like not dying and this drove them to the point of you know, screaming out such a, like, blasphemies that, like, they lost, like, the last gift the deities ever, like, uh, departed uh, to us. Um, but later on, I had an idea of, like, I was just taking a shower. As I talked about before, a lot of my good ideas come in the shower. And so I was acting out this one scene. Of, of this character, I was putting myself in their shoes, like, what would this actually look like? In my mind, there was, like, a scene where, like, they're not a human, so, like, it's not on Earth, so it's not going to be, like, a dog or whatever. But they're obsessed with, like, not dying. But they also, like, see, like, this creature they pass by every day, like some a dog-like creature, and every like they see it getting sicker and dying. And every time he sees it, he's like, "I'm working. I'm trying to figure out how we can, I can stop us from dying." But you got to give me a little bit more time. And then one day, 
he goes by and he sees like this creature is dead. And this is what this in my like as I was acting, I was like, that's a really good like breaking point. It's not his own death that like drives him to go crazy, but seeing like like death become like an actual manifestation to something he's interacted with regularly. I'm mm-hmm. like, I like that so much. I want to ter- take that piece of internal world building and like introduce it. So like now there's like this whole scene and like where he's like, look, what did this thing do? Why did it deserve to die? Why are you so cruel and why not? Him not knowing like the process of that creature dying is separate to like the death that it experiences. So later on he goes through a process where he's like getting icker, like, iller, falling apart. Um, but there's no inevitable death that's going to come and like alleviate him. And like later on, that's his uh, revelation as to the separate, like why death was a gift like given to like more like a uh, living creatures within the universe. Mm-hmm. Um, but for like stuff that never makes it in, like for example, in the Wolves of Winter, I have like a whole world that exists outside of like these two characters because it's kind of explained that like them going to the woods is something that happens regularly and there's other people who go to like different locations that they do perform similar tasks so i'm a mad in my mind i have like a world of like why what does the world look like outside of like these two people like why is this done regularly is the world almost in an apocalyptic state where these wolves if they're not like satiated will attack the rest of humanity is it a small section of like a, is it a country that's dealing with this problem is it like the rest of humanity as a whole um and I'm never going to, like, write down, we're doing this for the last two people out there that we care about. Or there's, like, a town back there that relies on us. Um, but I like balancing, like, it's never settled. But I like balancing back the ideas of, like, what's, what if the world was like this? And this is why these people are doing this. Versus, like, a world where it's, like, maybe, like, not as large of a problem, but it's, like, still something that's carried out regularly. Almost like a job kind of thing, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Good stuff. Internal world building. I feel like that's like more of the story. Like most of my stories are just in my head. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you're telling me, dude. It's all of my stories. Just in my head. <laughs> that's fine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is now time for <laughs> Now the we're, yes. <laughs> we right, can okay. do some off the papyrus. Say it now? <laughs> yes. yes. My lord. Alright. <laughs> so talking about like some of that, Zadik, I think like I guess we did just talk about them. Have you had any, like, thoughts that you, like, were like, oh, this would be a really cool element to have in my story, like, really, like, a specific scene that didn't end up making it into, like, your story, or, like, even if you haven't gotten there yet, you think you just won't include ever for any reason? Like, any, like, just kind of cool stories that you had that were, like, I don't see how this is actually going to be included, but it was a cool thought. Uh, I can go into this with like a little example in our D and D campaign. Um, as I was like, it was very much a world building thing. There are things that are uh, uh, present in the world that I think are still canon, but you guys did not interface with them at all, um, or a very small amount. For example, I you guys probably heard me make mention of like the Court of Worms. Uh, that's a little <laughs> sort of yes. idea ahead of like. <laughs> the idea of like worms are like actually like as they get older, they get larger and larger, and like they retain like the memories and information learned by the creatures that they eat or the people that they eat and decompose. So deep underground, there's like this large, like vat of like worms that have like, they're like, they have accumulated knowledge and they kind of like share knowledge with the rest of the worms. So like worms are actually like a super intelligent race that like come up to the surface, just like eat and decompose and then like bring the information back to the, uh, 
deeper into the earth. Like you guys never dealt with that, never popped up in the story. But in my mind, it was very much like a thing. So <laughs> the priest, he was. Uh... Yeah, it's, it's, so yeah. like it's kind of like a myth that people have, but it's also like, and so no one knows that it's true, but it's actually something that's very much true. Oh, yeah, that's yeah. true. So like, uh, I don't know if you guys even remember, like there was a scene when you guys eventually like lifted up like the like um opened up the coffin that held like the blasphemer and like his like rotted corpse and like all the putrid smells were released worms also like, came out of like that casket so like during like the countless countless centuries that they were in there they were just like continuously feeding on them so now that they have like um been finally released from this casket they're going to try to bury down and like now they have information that was even like from earth since this is like a celestial being from a different planet so I'm like, that'll be, it'll be cool to see how that interacts, but like, never going to interact with the story. <laughs> Another thing was, uh, the King of Kandaro, like, um, as mentioned before, well, not mentioned here, but as you guys know, like, the King of Kandaro was like, he ruled the land before, like, the Grand Regency was, like, established and whatnot. There's, I have a headcanon, well, it's like, not a headcanon, it's canon, but you guys never explored it, where before the land was kind of, like, ruled by, like, this intentionally weak system, it was basically the entire land was ruled by like, a tyrant. And the only way a tyrant would be usurped is if a stronger, more powerful titan came up. And so the King Kandar was like the last of like, this long line of tyrants. And so mm-hmm. that's why the Grand Regency seems like almost ineffectual at some time, because it was set up where it was like they have a very limited reach. The individual lands have like their own say on like how things work, because people still to this day kind of have like a slight memory of like what the opposite, like total control is and so it's like an aversion to that yeah okay that's cool yeah that's cool yeah yeah i think for me i don't know if it's so much elements but more like scenes i'll like put in a scene or think about a scene and then just like never put it in but there is one element you guys had asked me about this on i think the last episode i think it was an off the papyrus maybe with if you had asked if my main character had like any like romantic with like one of the other characters and i had said no but there i did originally put a little bit of that in and i took it out because i didn't i, I, wa- I wanted her to mm-hmm. not have it's romance in books no i do you don't like it steve oh steve no, doesn't no, 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 no. I don't, it's not that i don't like romance <laughs> I, don't, I, I think romance can be good but i don't like it when like I feel like a lot of times romance is kind of shoehorned in. Because um, I, I do read it, like, I guess a bias I have is I like, read a lot of science fiction. Okay. And so, like, if you're reading, like, a lot of older science fiction, the romance seems so, like, <laughs> it's not good. And it seems, like, yeah. so shoehorned where, like, the power dynamics are all off. But it's a lot of the times you use, like, a motivation where, like, oh, I'm doing this because I love this person, not because, like, I have some strong ulterior, ulterior motives. Yeah. So, like, I feel like, <laughs> romance can be done well, but I think a lot of times, a lot like the romance just kind of seems like, oh, I really want to see like this character naked or whatever, you know? I don't know. Sure. So like whenever like you you like you have like a strong, she's like a strong like female character or whatever. I like the idea of like she's like has like a strong male character that she's like fighting aside, um, but they're not like romantically involved at all. I really like that because it's like a lot of times I feel like it's I don't know. It makes us feel yeah. Yeah, it makes her feel like more like an actual person. That she doesn't have to fall off the first strong person she sees or whatever. Sure, you know? sure, sure. Yeah, so that was an element that I took away. But because I, I also didn't want her to be because of the, her society. Like I said, she's a part of her society. So if you're in this situation where it's like miserable and you like hate everything about it, like you're not going to be like having a great time, like doing all this. So it's like 
That's why I took that out. But anyways, that's one thing. And the other thing else was like scenes. Like I had like certain scenes in mind that I took out because one scene I put in and took out, it was just like really, I, I it's kind of still in there. I just changed it a little bit. One of the characters was going to like, kill, like kill himself. And then I decided that was too dark. So I took it out. <laughs> <laughs> so I think attendees. I don't want to like spoil that scene because it's actually a good scene. I changed it a little bit, but um, but yeah, there are certain scenes where I'm like, maybe that's too dark for this story. <laughs> I'll take it out. Like, he doesn't completely. Change, <laughs> no. I like the idea that it's now very like PG. He's like, I'm gonna take a sip of this beer. It's like, literally, no. In thirty years, I could kill your liver. I don't want to kill my liver. <laughs> you gotta think about the consequences of your actions. No idea. Suicide, in all honesty, not a joking matter. You know, if it's yeah, yeah, done, yeah. do it seriously, like a, a handle of care and whatnot. So, no, no. Yeah, but, uh, yeah, yeah. so I took it out. But um, mm-hmm. yeah, I feel like it's more scenes that I'll take out or change. Um, did fair. you have any Kate that you anything for you on that? Well, uh, I would like to just like do a little quick segue and not answer this question, okay. but uh, <laughs> unrelated question to the love story topic. Oh, okay, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> have you guys yeah. seen the movie La La Land? I no, saw I've heard of it. Part of it, I saw a little bit of it. I didn't like it too much. I, I watched it recently. Uh, I thought it was fantastic. That was uh, a really, really good story. But yeah, that's fair. I thought it was well done. Well, the so, actors are good. Emma Stone and yeah. Ryan Gosling. Ryan Gosling, who doesn't? Yeah. I come on. <laughs> anyway, uh, what's the question? Was that the question? That was that. I was just wondering. Oh, okay. Okay, okay. I, I don't know okay. if I have like a great example off the top of my head right now. That's, That's fine. Fair. Did we have any other? Off- I didn't really write I have anything. One now. for Kate because I didn't get to ask it during his uh, section. Yeah. Um. Okay, so you were talking about in your story how like um, magic is slowly being destroyed as the land is like kind of being like um, you know destroyed as well. Um, do you like go? So I'm assuming this is going to be like a large like driving factor for like at least society. So do you ever like do a thing like we explain like why it's happening, or is it more kind of like presented as like a given as like the land is being like being worked and being destroyed, and so magic is slowly is like more of like a. I I definitely go into it like more in either in this maybe not even so much in the specific story that I'm telling, but in other (laughs) stories I'm telling of the world. and the premise is basically, like, like magic is, like, fantastic for, like, you know, being magic. Like, how cool is that? Yeah. But the world itself is not really, like, modernizing because of it. Oh, I see. Okay. Oh, so okay. You have so a great forward kind of thing. Exactly, yeah. Mm-hmm. No, I think that's perfect. Because, mm-hmm. um, like, now that magic is being removed from Calden, that northern country... Colden is like modernizing and they're like kind of moving into a more like like today kind of landscape whereas Greedale, the country to the south still has this like magic lifestyle um, and they are still very like medieval very rock and iPhone 4s and so yeah <laughs> exactly man. the iPhone 10 is not out there yet yeah. <laughs> um, but that's kind of just like I guess like the way my world works is if you don't have access to that magic, um, you don't have the old races. Like it's just like humans who are growing and developing and called in now. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was like a conscious decision that the rulers of that country made. 
It's interesting. Uh, I think in both of our campaigns, that means like we have like, like um, m- like a depletion of magic has like driven away like the other races besides humans. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's. Yeah. I guess that's cool. I don't even think that was like. Yeah, I guess we never really talked about that idea. Yeah. Hmm. In the first campaign that I I ran, um, at the end of it, the the king of Greedale invades like the dwarven peninsula. Yeah. And is basically trying to kill the dwarves. So it's very um, much an intentional thing. And like right. so that Wolfling's like idea of trying to like modernize his country, but he's doing it through a very like you know cool genocide stuff, yeah. Genocide. Yeah, like not good. Yeah. So he's a bad dude. He's not a good guy. Mm. Um but yeah, I think that's kinda that's how it works in the world. Okay. Any other papyrus uh questions? I don't really have a question, but there was one thing that I don't feel like we really... I had a whole... I had more written about the elements. I didn't really read any of my notes (laughs) for that. But one thing that I don't think we really talked about when we were asking the elements question is the when part. So, like, when Mm. are we trying... Is it, like, early on, later? A little bit of mind, yeah. Yeah, so... Iris' question is, I'd like to ask myself... (laughs) (laughs) I didn't write anything down, but I will say that I have a solid page on the elements question that I did not... I didn't... We didn't really get to any of That's fair. In terms of timeline, I, like... I think I've mentioned, like, I like presenting it earlier on because it very much, like, sets, like, depending on the story. In this story, like... They're presented early on because, like, the story is just like me presenting these elements. Um, and other stories, I think, uh, parts of the world building is like slowly like trickled out. So, like, more stuff is revealed. Like, if I'm going back to uh, the Sunken Planet, uh, elements of the story are like the world are presented as real kind of bumps into them. So, if something's kind of stopping them, like, it's explained why it's stopping them. And so now that's another world of the, uh, that's been exposed. Um, mm-hmm. And eventually, like, at the end, like, the greater world as it is is, like, revealed at, the, like, the last few paragraphs, basically. So, yeah. Okay. Did you have any comments on that, Kate? Um, I don't think any... I think, like, if you establish the rules early on, you have the characters, like, aware of those rules. Yeah. Uh, they, I think I kind of said this earlier, but they, they can kind of discuss them. I don't necessarily need to break it up. Like, put it in your face right away. Okay. I can, if I need, if I feel the need to do that, I can always do that later, and kind of maybe find a way to do it. Like I like how you said it. You did like you know this you a building that like says the history right. of like yeah. well, you can find a way to do that where it's sure it feels natural and it's not like welcome to Calden. Here's the world of Right. Here's the guidebook. Read it. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. You always have like a little prologue kind of thing. Like yeah. You know, who okay. reads a prologue unless you're interested? Exactly. Yeah. I don't true. think I've ever read a prologue. <laughs> oh, the prologue's got so many good juicy bits to it. Yeah, true. You should read the prologue. Never. There's skipping many prologues. And then I read a prologue and I was like, is this what all prologues are like? Yeah. <laughs> really? I feel like it's weird not to read the prologue. It is weird. It's actually like skipping chapter one. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like chapter one without the characters that you're going to read about for the rest of the story. Right, right. Yeah. Yeah, so I think the point that I wanted to make on that um, was I like the idea of kind of, like, creating a mystery or, like, introducing things, like, slower. So we had talked about, like, the rumors and stuff that I do. 
and then for this story and then like actually her seeing it herself. But I feel like I also did that um, with introducing kind of the negative side of her faction, Valerius. So I'd say like the beginning parts, she like had like either not good, but like neutral experiences. So she came back from a mission. Everything was fine. She met up with her supervisor, told her about the mission and it was fine. And like everything was kind of like normal. And then I kind of like put in one thing. So it's normal. And then she goes about her day the next day. She does her usual job stuff. So it's kind of like all normal for a while. And then like at the end of that chapter, this child comes up to her that was like in her faction and gives her tea leaves and says, oh, you know, here are these tea leaves. Thanks for all your work. You know, I hope that you like this tea. And then, so that's all normal and innocent. And then she takes it to this friend of hers who is, like, into medicine. And she goes, oh, what do you think of these leaves? And he goes, oh, they're poisoned. So it kind of, like, injects, like, a, oh, actually, this place isn't as safe as this past few pages. You know what I mean? Yeah. I could go for some tea right now. Right. And then it's like, put, always didn't slap my hand. Yeah. So there's like that. And then, so it kind of like starts introducing. And then the next chapter we see, she is, you know, brought into her supervisor's office, her and her team, and she gets accused of stuff. And it, you know, and then you kind of see the oppression side of it and they're like trying to attack her and all this stuff. So yeah, I like the idea of introducing things kind of slower. Cause I think it, builds like a better impression i guess like that yeah i agree yeah that's all i had yeah that's all i had for the uh off the papyrus i think that segment is papyrus done oh shit so what are we talking about next week guys next week we're gonna be talking about some interesting topics such as steve no steve is reading us I yeah, it's not a topic. Uh, <laughs> next week Steve's story. Oh, yeah. Steve's story. <laughs> What's the name of it? Uh, the Sunken Planet. Oh, tune in next week for a first-hand, never-before-seen, your ears only, reading of The Sunken Planet. <laughs>